This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. So a lot can happen in three days. If you're taking notes this morning, number one, we're going to think about the Easter journey, not just the Resurrection Sunday, but we're also going to think about the Easter journey. So number one, if you're taking notes this morning, is despair. When I read the Easter story and when I think about Easter, there's lots of different emotions that happen over those three days. And you know, I mentioned last night at Saturday Night Live about the fact that, you know, when we get to Saturday, Easter Saturday, can often look like a nothing day. I mean, we know that Jesus died on Easter uh, Friday and he rose again on Easter Sunday, but Saturday is like one of those nothing days where it's like, well, what's happening? And if we're not careful, we can look at the surface and we can look at the despair and we can look at what was happening to the left and to the right of what Jesus was actually doing underneath. And so in our life, there is times when we meet despair. And can I encourage you, and you'll hear me say this statement a few times during my message, that in despair, Jesus is there. See, in despair, Jesus is right there. In actual fact, the Scriptures say this, that he came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to seek and save that which is lost. So if you're feeling lost today in any area of your life, can I encourage you that you're actually in a good place? Because if we're not careful in those moments when we feel lost, we think, well, I'm in a bad place. No, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And so if you're lost, what you have to do is you have to, in that moment, you have to go, well, Jesus, where are you in this? Jesus, where are you in this moment? Because your promise is, if you seek and save that which is lost, and when I'm not just talking about salvation, I'm talking about all areas of our life, because there's moments and there's been seasons and times in my life where I felt really lost. You know, it might be like I feel a stirring of God in my heart about a change of occupation or, or a change of destination. And in those times, it, we can be lost in those feelings. Well, I want to encourage you, Jesus is right there in those moments. You might have been sitting in a doctor's room and the doctor has given you bad news and you might feel lost in that moment. Well, Jesus is right there with you in that moment. Because the Bible says this, that he came to seek and save that which is lost. So all those times I've been lost in life and when I reflect in hindsight, because hindsight's a wonderful thing, is it not? Don't you wish that you died with the knowledge, I mean you were born with the knowledge that you die with? I know I do. I've had that argument with God. God, why is it that what I needed when I was a teenager I know when I'm old? Honestly, I think the whole program is backwards sometimes. And he actually encouraged me in this. He said, no, you had the knowledge, you just never asked. You had the knowledge there, you just never asked. Because you know what? He is all knowledge. And so it's there, we just need to ask him. In actual fact, the Word of God says this, if anyone lacks wisdom, we only need to ask, and he'll supply it to us liberally. And so, you know, there's no excuse for being a fool in the kingdom of God because wisdom is there. So this despair, let's go to Luke chapter 23. It's interesting what we do in our moments of despair. And I find that there's really only ultimately two responses in moments of despair. You know, some people think, oh, no, no, Pastor Trevor, there's lots of responses. No, there's only two. There's only two responses. And those two responses is we either turn to God or we turn from Him. Sure, turning from Him might look at all, like all different things. 
We might throw ourselves into our occupation. We might throw ourselves into a relationship. We might throw ourselves into a substance. We might throw ourselves into the next new and greatest thing. But really, there's only two responses, and that is we either turn to God or we turn away from him. So Luke 23 verse 39 says this, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, If you are the Messiah, uh, sorry, so you are the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it, exclamation mark. Now, I wasn't real good at English, but I understand that when there's an exclamation mark, it's a statement, it's like a strong statement. It's almost like a shout. If it was in text language, it would be all in capital letters. Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, to Je- then he said Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. See, two responses. Both criminals are in a place of despair. You know, I... I can't think of a place much more of despair in life than hanging on a cross. It's a dark place. It's a place of despair. And so in that place of despair, you've got one criminal hurling. um, It's like that sarcastic statement. Well, so you're the Messiah, are you? That sarcastic tone in his voice. So you're the Messiah, are you? Well, if you're the Messiah, why don't you prove it? Why don't you save yourself? And while you're at it, save us too. And so there's that moment where it's like, um, you know, the, this, this criminal in his despair, he's starting to scoff. He's starting to, you know, ridicule Jesus. And yet the other um, criminal on the cross says this. He says, hang on a minute. Have you no shame? Have you no understanding of what's happening in this moment? And so in t- instead of turning away from Jesus in his time of despair, he actually turns to him and he says, hey, Jesus, remember me. What a great prayer. Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I love Jesus' reply. I assure you today, because <laughs> he knew time was short. You know, I've taken much comfort from this over the years because I know it's never too late to turn to him. I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. So two responses in their moment of despair. The second thing I see about the Easter story and one of the emotions that often uh, people, you can read about in the Easter story is this emotion called emptiness. So number two, empty. Can I encourage you that when you feel empty, Jesus is there. When you feel like you have nothing to give, Jesus is there. Experience in life and in ministry um, when I was doing youth and assistant pastor's position where I was like, we had some stuff happen to us that was quite devastating. And um, you, know, you know that moment in praise and worship when you don't want to worship because you know that when you lift your hands up and you open your heart to him, the floodgates are going to open? You know that moment when it's like you're feeling pain and you're hurt and this, and then all of a sudden it's like you come to praise and worship and it's like, Jesus, I love you. So I'm meant to be preaching this morning and I was a blubbering mess. I had the red eye syndrome. You know, it was like I, the waterworks were turned on and the senior pastor leaned across to me and he goes, you're a good vessel today. You're a good vessel today. 
And I said, what do you mean? I don't feel like a good vessel. He says, no, when we're weak, he's strong. When we're unable to, he can. In actual fact, it's interesting about faith because if we can do it, we don't need faith. (laughs) But if we can't do it, we need faith. So that's why we should never shy away from when Jesus asks us to do something and we go, you know what, I don't think I'm capable. And he's going, that's exactly why I'm asking you to do it in this moment. So you actually rely on him in faith because I want to tell you there's stuff that God asks me to do sometimes and I go, God, I don't have a hope. He goes, that's right. You don't have a hope. And because you don't have a hope, what's going to happen is he's going to be able to take up that lack and he's going to be able to take up that, that um, moment where it's like, you know, it's like you can't, but he can. So in those times when we're empty, guess what? He's there. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Hopefully this is an encouragement to you this morning because I know it's been an encouragement to me this week just as I've been preparing and searching the scriptures about what to bring at Easter. Because you know what? When you've been preaching for 30-something years, Easter comes around every year, and if we're not careful, we can become stuck. We can get in that moment where it's like we become stuck in our preparation and that sort of stuff, and so God has, you know, he's been really gracious this week in what he's been showing me. So Luke chapter 22, verse 30, uh, 54. So this is Luke 22, 54. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man is one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know uh, what you are talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows Uh, before the rooster crows uh, tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. I want to tell you, this was a dark moment in Peter's life. We were saying in Australia, I feel gutted. I feel gutted. I, I want to tell you, if Peter was an Aussie, it would probably read something like this. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly, totally gutted totally gutted. See, I I think about this moment. You have Peter, spoke about last night, you have Peter, one of the inner sanctum, one of the three, Peter, James and John, closest friends of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's let Jesus down in Jesus's time of need. And so Peter understands that he has just emptied all his promises out. And I reckon Peter left that place totally gutted totally empty, totally in total depression, in total despair. But I want to tell you, Jesus was there because Jesus actually looked at Peter when that happened. Now, depending on how you want to read, because we read between the lines when we read, do we not? And I think when a lot of people read that, that Jesus is there, Peter denies Jesus three times and the rooster crows and then Jesus looks at him, 
A lot of people think it's the death stare look, you know, that side eye look where, where it's like, told you so. wasn't like that. I can imagine that there was tears in Jesus' eyes. I can imagine there was a pleading in Jesus' eyes, not to run but to stay. Because again, our response when we're in those moments of emptiness determine what our future will be after that. So Peter chose to run. You know what he should have done? He should have chose to stay. He should have chose to be restored in that moment. Let's go to John chapter 21, because this is after Jesus has died, been risen again. One of the things Jesus did before he ascended back to heaven was he restored Peter. That's what I love about God. He didn't leave him unrestored, but he restored him again. John chapter 21, verse 15 says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he replied, you know I love you, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, He asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And he goes on to talk to Peter about the way he would die and the courage he would need in the days to come. But you know what I love about that is that Jesus takes Simon, the reed, back to the start, and he restores him back to Peter, the rock. Restores him back to that place of Peter, the rock. So I want to encourage you, even when you're feeling those empty times, you know what? Jesus is there. The third emotion that I think we can experience and we can read about during the Easter story is this emotion called hope. I love hope. I am one that lives with hope. There is always a silver lining in every cloud. You know, there is always a silver lining. My daughter taught me once because spring isn't my favourite season. It's not my favourite season. Why don't I like spring? I don't like spring because the flowers come out and the winds blow and all the pollen and everything flies around and spring is quite windy. And so one day I was complaining about the wind of spring and my daughter, who was only little at the time, had learnt in school just that week how the wind of spring is important because what it does is it blows the seeds and everything around and so that new growth can come. And so my little daughter took me to school. She goes, but Dad, we need the wind of spring because it has a job to do. And so even in those seasons that we don't like, there's a job that is being done in those seasons. In winter, the deciduous trees drop their leaves and they rest so that they can grow in spring. Every season of our life has a job to do. And so in every season of our life, there is hope presented before us. Now, why is there hope presented before us in every season? Because Jesus is there. Because Jesus is there, there is hope in every season. Um, season. So I actually think that hope is not an emotion, it's a choice. I choose whether I hope or not. I choose where my attention gets drawn to. I choose what I focus on when it comes to seasons where I need extra hope. Let's read Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 7. 
says, now go tell the, his disciples, including Peter. That's what I love about Jesus. His heart is breaking for Peter. Why? Because he understands he saw Peter leave in despair and totally gutted, totally empty. He saw him weep bitterly as Peter ran out of that courtyard that day. And so when he is risen from the dead, he says this, he says, now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. See, because Jesus is here, we can have all hope. The next thing I notice about the Easter story is we can have joy. I like joy. Give me a choice between sadness and joy. Guess which one I'm picking. Give me a choice between fishless trip and trip filled with fish. Guess which one I'm choosing? Fishermen who go out and fish all day and don't catch a fish, we lie to each other. We do. We lie to each other. We say things like this. Well, it was a beautiful day to be on the water. We say things like this. Well, it's more about the journey than it is about catching fish. I want to tell you, all that's lies. Inside, we're going... That's what we're doing. I've had trips where I've held the net for other fishermen. Greg Motten, one day, we were fishing, and in 20 minutes, he caught six fish. I was the net man that day. And in, in third fish, I'm holding the net, still smiling. Fourth fish, I'm still smiling, but inside I'm going, I'm going to throw you in the water. <laughs> By the sixth fish, I offered him $1,000 for the lure he was using. He didn't sell it to me. See, in seasons of joy, guess what? Jesus is there. And can I let you in on a secret about humanity? Often when things are going well, we forget about Jesus. Often, because to me, that's the danger time. My danger time is not in life when, you know, I'm in the middle of a darkest valley because I know there's only one hope out of that valley and that's the good shepherd whose rod and staff will comfort and guide and lead me out of the valley. The danger time for me is in the good times when everything's going really well, when it's like, you know, I feel like, you know what, this, this is good and I can breathe and that sort of stuff because that's when we tend to take our foot off the gas and we tend to just roll and just cruise in life. You can't cruise in life when it comes to Christianity because the devil is waiting for a more opportune time in our life. And so we need to understand that in times of joy, Jesus is still there. See, I reckon the resurrection was a joyful moment. Can you imagine that moment when Peter heard that Jesus was alive? You know, there would have been a whole range of emotions within Peter's life. It's like, well, at some point I've got to face him. But you know what? He was chomping at the bit to go and see Jesus. In actual fact, he was chomping the bit so much to know it was true, he ran to the tomb to see whether it was true or not. And so I believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important event in our Christian culture and theology. It provides the grounds and the foundation for our faith and what we believe on. Now you might say, but Pastor Trevor, the cross, what about the cross? The cross is important but I don't need a dead saviour. I actually need an alive saviour. I don't need a relationship with an idol. I don't need a relationship with a piece of wood. I don't need a relationship with a stone. 
You know, it saddens me when I travel to places and they have idols set up and they go and worship these idols because they're worshipping idols, they're worshipping gods, small g, that can't reply and speak back to them. I, I want to tell you, I need a saviour that's alive and well. I need a saviour that is not only alive and well, but he's in your life or he's in my life. And, you know, so our righteous judge, he's alive and well. You know, he's not limited by death. Our physical bodies are limited by death. There is a day that I will leave this earth. And the day I leave this earth, I don't want you to be all sad. I want you to rejoice that it was a life lived well. Now, you can be sad that I won't be able to take you fishing anymore. That's fine. You, you can be sad for the, for the separation of a natural relationship, but don't be sad for my spirit. You know, you know why? Because I'm going to be going, woo in heaven. Yeah. So Jesus has actually been before where we need to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 5. The Apostle Paul speaking, he says this, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as Scripture said, was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as Scripture says. He was seen by Peter, there he is again, and then by the twelve. See, here's the Apostle Paul going saying this, here's the important part of the gospel. Because if we're not careful, when we share the gospel, we talk about the cross, which is super important, because that's where the change in the life and the sacrifice was done. That's where the penalty was paid for sin. But here's what Paul is saying. He says, I pass on to you the really important parts of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried. But on the third day, oh, he rose again. I think that's pretty important that not only did Jesus Christ die for our sin, not only did he spend some time in a tomb, but he also was raised to life again. See, he went beyond, he defeated what we cannot defeat. Just the fact that Jesus has defeated death gives me courage that it doesn't matter what I face in life. He is strong enough and he is powerful enough to be able to do it. So the last thing I want to look at this morning about the Easter story is empowering change. Because we serve a risen saviour, we can have empowering change in our life. Because Jesus is there, we should be different. Can I just say, Gloria, it was a pleasure talking with you last night and you saying how much Craig has changed since he's become a Christian. You've seen the difference in his life and it, it, it was just great to sit down with someone and go, you know what, there's something different about my son. She said to me, have you noticed the difference? This is the only Craig I know. I only know the born-again Craig. The only difference I know between Craig pre-salvation and after salvation is you've had a shave. Because <laughs> I remember Ned Kelly walking in the door. But there was a change that happens. I see it in the faces of some of the Teen Challenge boys. Now, there was one in particular, you know, it was um, pre-COVID, but up the back. I walked up to him before the service and said, what's happened? And he goes, oh, I decided to follow Jesus Christ. Made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. His face was different. I said, I can tell. I said, you're shining. You're different. You've done your makeup different today. Honestly, that's what it looked like. There was a glow to his skin. It was like you could tell the difference. And I want to tell you, not only is there a difference physically when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's a difference spiritually. 
we are taken from one kingdom and we are brought into a new kingdom. Not only that, not only are we taken from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light, we are given all authority on heaven and on earth. We are given all authority in heaven and on earth. I think we forget this sometimes as Western Christians. We are told to go into the world and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We are told to cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. That wasn't just a command for the, for the um, early church. That's a command for us as well. We are, we, we are challenged by God where we need to walk and we need to challenge darkness and we need to push back darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. Don't worry about looking it up. I'll just read it for you. Write it down if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. See, we need to understand this, that the Apostle Paul understood that the power of his preaching the power of the gospel actually comes from the fact that today we celebrate an empty tomb. That's where the power comes from. You know, as Pentecostal believers, we focus on the Holy Spirit and we say at Pentecost is when the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit. No, we were empowered even pre-Pentecost. Why? Because we serve a God who has beaten death. Now, Pentecost is important. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is super important. And in actual fact, you know, in 50 days we'll be talking about Pentecost because that's when Pentecost will happen. And, and so I think it's 50 or is it 40? 40 days, so I don't know, something like that. Sorry? Some saying 50, some saying 40, it will happen. So the thing I noticed about Pentecost is that's when Peter could actually stand up and preach in power. See, there was a difference that happened in Peter's life after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was actually reading a book this week and it was talking about the fact that when you're born again, that you're actually filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I let you know there is a second experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit? The disciples experienced that. And I know I've experienced that personally in my life as well. See, if Christ had not been raised from the dead, then my preaching this morning is useless. But because he's been raised from the dead, preaching becomes powerful. It's important as all the rest of the stuff we do in Christianity, the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and well today is super important. See, it shows, this is what Jesus' resurrection shows us. It shows us that his sacrifice was accepted by God, that divine justice has been fulfilled, that his blood is a ransom for sinners that resurrection is for all believers because there is a day when the dead in Christ will rise and that because he lives, guess what? We live as well. It shows Jesus Christ as the Son of God. It does away with the argument that he was merely human, that he was called to come and die, but he was only human. No, the fact that he was raised from the dead actually shows us that he is the Christ, the Son of God. John chapter 2 verse 19 says, All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple in three days and I'll rise it up. I will raise it again. So it says in John chapter 2, 19, 
And in John chapter 10, verse 17, it says this, The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so that I may take it back again. I want to tell you, the day I die, I don't get to choose whether I take my life back again. That's it. That's it. Done. See, his body and his blood, a wonderful sacrifice for us. So when Jesus was preparing the last Passover meal, just before he died, he actually said these words. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And he also said, this is my blood, which is given for you. Drink in remembrance of me. And he says, every time you do that, you declare the coming of Jesus Christ. So his words were this, this is my body. This is my blood. My words, back to Jesus, this is the reason. This is my reason that I can smile, that I can live life, that I don't need to live in despair, that I can live in hope, that I know that tomorrow I have a future. Why? Because he lives. Let's all stand up this morning. We're going to um, notice our old friends are back. You might say, can we do this with the COVID regulations? I want to tell you, I went to the Grand Prix and sat with um, 135,000 people and there was no COVID restrictions. We were like this. <laughs> That's all good. Once you receive your emblems this morning, why don't you just take that quiet moment just to be thankful for what he's done for you this day. In moments of despair, moments of emptiness, those moments of challenge in our life, moments of hope, moments of joy, can I encourage you that Jesus is there? He's right there. All you need to do is speak. One of the things I appreciate most about the Easter story is that moment when the temple veil was torn top to bottom. Because what it symbolizes and what it was doing was it was doing away with an old sacrificial system and it was given, giving the common man access into the presence of God, access into the most holy place. No longer was there a temple dividing common man from the presence of God. And what he was saying was, well, come on, come in. And then what he did was he chose to make the men, the hearts of men, his dwelling place. So Jesus, I want to thank you this day. Lord, that personal relationship is available to anyone who calls on your name. Lord, because of the cross and because of what you've done. Lord, but because of the empty tomb which we celebrate this day. Lord, it is not just symbolic. It is a reality that you're alive. Even as authorities tried to cover it up, and even as authorities tried to pay off guards to say, oh no, he was stolen away. He's still dead. Lord, we understand the truth. Why? Because we have conversation with you. Lord, because many saw you after you had risen. Lord, there was much evidence that you had risen, that you are alive. And so what we hold in our hand this day, Lord, is more than just symbolic of what you've done. Lord, and even as you declared to the disciples that day, Lord, this is your body which was broken for us. Lord, we thank you for what we hold. It represents, Lord, your broken body for us. Lord, it represents the fact that by your stripes we are whole. Lord, it represents the fact that you are willing to pay a price that we could not pay, that you stepped into our situation and in those areas of lack in our life, you are willing to fulfill them even to the point of paying the price for our sin so that we can live 
in righteousness before you. Lord, for your blood, we thank you for your precious blood. Lord, how it was poured out for all who choose to believe. Lord, there is not a shortage of your blood. Lord, there is not a shortage of your salvation. Your arm is not too short to save. Lord, so for those that have been thinking in their minds that they're too far gone, I want to encourage you this day that the Lord's arm is not too short to save, that he's standing right there with you and he's saying, come on, just surrender, just surrender. And as we surrender to you, Lord, it brings us to a safe place, brings us to a place of victory, not defeat. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. So why don't you take the biscuit this morning? which represents his broken body for us. Lord, thank you, Lord. Lord, we give thanks as we eat this together. Lord, as part of your family here on earth, Lord, we thank you for what this represents in our life. Let's eat together in remembrance of what he's done for us. The word declares that after supper, he took the cup in the same way. And he said, this is his blood that was given for us. He said, drink in remembrance of what he's done for us. Just before we close, we're going to sing Because He Lives, because that's what this is all about. Because He Lives, we can face tomorrow. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.